0: Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to Living with Amuna. a Gamar Chassima Tova to all. want to thank our generous Amuna Sheer sponsors, Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, who sponsor the Amuna series in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Gabbard, in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. We are always grateful to them for their generosity and their sponsorship. This morning, this morning Sheer, this Amuna Sheer is also sponsored by Kara and Ben Friedman, in memory of Kara's amazing mother, Helen Cohen, on her fifth year at Zayt. Whom uh, we miss tremendously, who was a beacon of Amuna, had an ongoing, very real, palpable relationship with Hashem, and uh, we miss her terribly. Neshama Sherevan Aliyah, thank you. Thank you for that. There are more copies. If anyone would like to follow what we're going to learn inside, we're going to learn from a new safer today. It's called Avra didasha. it is a safer from the Gera Rosh Hashiva of Shoal Altar. Very excited that Rav Shal Alter, the Rosh Hashiva, the Ger Rosh Hashiva is going to be coming to Boca in November, which really is an outstanding schus, an incredible opportunity and privilege and merit for our community. I had the privilege of meeting with him this summer in Israel, had a extraordinary conversation. You can actually watch it online. There's English subtitles to it, if you want to hear his wisdom and the uh, answers he gave to the questions that I asked. So he's uh, a huge Talmachacham and uh, a very special tzaddik and a very special person. We're, we're very excited to be able to host him. So we're going to learn a piece in his Safer momentarily. But first, as always, an amuna email. Hi, Rabbi Goldberg. I know you're super busy during this time of year. I want to share the amuna shir is giving me the fuel to keep on growing. I grew up traditional on Long Island, but didn't keep Shabbos. I had a living example in my home. My Omo was a hidden child of the Shoah, what it meant to be a mensch, and why it was important to carry on Yiddishkeit. While at university, I had the opportunity to reunite with three Holocaust survivors who had not seen each other in over 70 years. It led even closer to Yiddishkeit and Frumkeit. I knew that I couldn't have family survivors and reunited them without the hand of Hashem. All those events occurred after my grandmother passed away and were inspired by a box of old photos that she left me. While I was socially religious at university, I like to say that my Frumkeit was with a big emphasis on the M, not so much on the Orthodox part. After Brandeis happened to stumble upon The Manhattan Jewish Experience. And I don't want to give away too many details. I don't have permission from the author to read her name, but I do want to give credit to my good friend, Rabbi Mark Wilds, and MJE, The Manhattan Jewish Experience. The family played a tremendous role in my journey. I've been Shomer Shabbat, Shomer Kashras for the last 10 years, even went to seminary. Since I had a later start than FFBs from, from births, I got married later in life which whatever age she put and defined as later in life, and my wedding was postponed due to the pandemic. About seven years ago, Joaz referred me to the Amunashir. For so many years, I davened for a husband, and Baruch Hashem, I'm married. Amunashir gave me the hope that I would get married. Unfortunately, now my husband and I have had some fertility struggles. Um... Like most educators employees at the time, I've been super busy and stressed. I left my class at such and such school a few minutes early yesterday to make a doctor appointment in the city. First Google Maps said I was going to be 30 minutes, and it quickly turned into an hour and a half. Yet another reason not to live in New York. There was nothing that I could... that, That was not in the email. That was just... That was my commentary. There was nothing that I could do. I was in standstill traffic, and I was going to miss an important appointment. I thought about calling my twin sister, my mother. I could hear you in my head, call Hashem. He wants to hear from me talk to Hashem, right? All the people that we want to call. Not that calling any of those people would have removed the traffic. Traffic would still be there, but we want to call someone because at least misery likes company. So the company that we call are the people we're most comfortable with. So we call different people of different instincts who they call, a spouse, a child, a sibling, a friend, but misery likes company. So when that flight is delayed or canceled or when we run into that trafficker, we get that bad news or we're frustrated by whatever behavior of the other person, So we call. So she says, she could hear me in her head saying, call Hashem. Call Hashem, I asked myself, I have nothing to say. I haven't held up my bargain. I don't learn enough. I used to daven three times a day. Now I only daven once or twice a day. I'm teaching all day, preparing groups and I don't have time, I'm exhausted. Isn't Hashem busy right now? It's probably his busy season too. He's getting ready to open the book. Does he really want to hear from me? I love how real and relatable this email is, right? It's real. In all seriousness, I thought to myself, Hashem is so distant. Doesn't Hashem know that my grandfather, a religious man, davened every day to have religious grandchildren after surviving? Doesn't he know that I want nothing more than a child to carry on my grandfather's name? Doesn't Hashem know that I yearn to be closer to him? Despite all these thoughts in my head, I remember what my Zayde used to say. Hashem gives you two ears and one mouth for a reason. In order to learn, you have to listen. I thought of my Oma's words. Let your kepi rest. I couldn't rest. I was stuck in traffic. I must have enough courage to turn off the radio because who talks to the Almighty with Taylor Swift in the background? That's what it says. Putting all jokes aside, I ordered up the courage to say four words. Please, Hashem, help me. That's it. That was the whole conversation with Hashem. Please, Hashem, help me. Within two minutes, the receptionist at the doctor's office called and asked where I was. I explained to her the situation. I was coming from the such and such and I was in standstill traffic. She heard the urgency in my voice and said, don't worry, let me see what I can do. She called back and said, I moved some people around. I got you an 8 a.m. appointment on the other side of the city tomorrow. It was a small miracle. Our fertility struggles are not over. And now you know why I'm reading this email because I don't love the emails. I love the emails that have the great ending. They're great. They're what movies are made of. They're wonderful, the Hollywood ending. But the powerful and I think the... Truly inspiring emails are the ones that say, I don't know how this turns out yet. I don't know how it ends. It's not a a storybook Hollywood ending, but still I'm sticking with Hashem. Our fertility struggles are not over. I still have a procedure on early such morning. And if it goes well, we'll finally have implant a healthy embryo after Yantif. The point of this email isn't to provide you with a happy ending or more reading material during this busy time. It's to remind you that the amunashir is like a seed. You plant the seed. You remind your listeners, even when the weeds flourish and there seems like no hope, Hashem is the creator. We have a duty to tend and keep the land, but Hashem decides when the flowers bloom. He does everything in the right season and in the right time. Shana Tova. Okay. Amazing. So please keep sending the emails because they're just inspiring. The people who, it's so easy to sit here on Wednesday mornings, I get to just look in the camera, speak into the microphone, sip the coffee, teach other people's Torah, read other people's, it's easy. To be in your car and stuck for traffic, and you know, it took you a while to get married, you're diving so hard, now you want children desperately, and you're stuck in traffic, and you're gonna miss the appointment, it's gonna help you get, and you talk to Hashem, and you say, I don't know how it ends, but He'll make, you know, you plant the seed, and He'll make it blossom in the right time, in the right place. It's unbelievably, incredibly inspiring. And I thank the author of this email and all the emails. And I hope that you keep coming. I don't know if I told you. Somebody sent me an email offering to work on publishing a book of the emails and Amuna Shirim together, the Amun Ideas with the Amuna emails. In the right time, in the right season, that person planted a seed. But who knows if it will ever sprout and germinate. So, Ibrid the this is the wonderful Sefer of the Hilaga Gerat Rosh Hashiva, Ravshal Altar. Again, mark your calendars. Sometime in November when he's coming. In our davening on Rosh Hashanah, and again we're going to say it next week on Yom Kippur, we sing, we express the phrase I just hear Shlomo singing it in my head every time I read that Pasuk. Maybe I'll post the video in our WhatsApp group so that you can listen to it some point later today and as you count down to Yom Kippur. Translate the words. "Maloch" means... Melach is king. Meloch means rule. Rule. Al, an, kol, all, ha'olam, of the world, kulo, all. Bichvodecha, with your glory. Meloch, a ulam olam, kulo, bichvodecha. Any of those words superfluous? Any of those words redundant, repetitive? Rule over the whole world, all of it, with your glory. Well, over the whole world means all of it. All of it means the whole world. The al levush. So the holy levush writes, kol kulo harik So the shlag, the levush, rather, the holy levush asks, "It's redundant. It's redundant. If you're mm-hmm. maloch al kol ha'olam, if you're ruling over the whole world, then you're ruling over kulo. Mm-hmm. You could have said maloch al ha'olam kulo, or you could say maloch al kol ha'olam." But why do you have to say it and what do you what do you add by saying Malochal Kola Olam Kula? The song wouldn't work out. But other than for the song, why does it have to say kola olam kulo? Azoyid zakasha, that is the question of the Lavush. Uvataz, the Turezov, a commentary in the Shachan archiv, Shivakhulos farmanushkein, Umetaris Takevin the Matino Harbi Pam Rubo Kakulo, the Aken Kidela Fukush, Lonnifrash Tevas Kulo rov, Mosif and Lomar lamar Lomar Kulo Mamish. So Taz has an interesting answer. He says, we have a principle in alacha. The principle in alacha is rubo kikulo. Sometimes we apply rubo kikulo. If you have most of it, it's like you have everything. Rubo. If you have most, kikulo. Rubo is kikulo. When do you apply that principle? When do you not apply that principle? Rubo kikulo. If the cup is mostly filled, we view it as filled to the top. Rubo kikulo. We don't say if you have eight, seven, ah, it's a minion close enough. Rubo. Why not? There was a period when I was in high school, I stayed late for mission. I don't remember why, but I'd get a ride home with the principal. And then he would ask questions like this in the car. And then I said, Mom, can't you pick me up? I really have to get the ride home with the principal. I, I want to talk about the sports scores and uh, not Taylor Swift, but you know other singers. I didn't want to deal with those kinds of questions, but it was a good question. I'm glad that I had the ride. If he's listening, I'm grateful for that special time. (laughs) And I'm glad that he challenged me with that question. If you say Rubo Kikulo, why don't we say that when it comes to a minion? Why don't we say, when is the fast over on Yom Kippur? I don't know, 7.50 something? Ah, when you get to four or five o'clock, Rubo Kikulo. (laughs) You made it to most of it. Kikulo, it's like all of it. So when do we apply that principle, when do we not apply that principle? In halacha, it's a good question, but we do apply it. So you might have thought, rubo kulo." so when you say, when you say, this nesach kulo, maybe you don't really mean all of it, you mean rov, so therefore we say, kol haolam kulo, that kulo doesn't mean most, it means all of it. That's the answer that the Taz gives. And here, just through this little insight, you get a glimpse into his great mind and get excited for his visit. The Ger Shiva says, Now, let me tell you another answer, another interpretation. You know why it says Kola Olam Kulo? Because Kulo means the whole world, but of one world. Kola Olam and Kulo can mean multiple worlds. And what are the multiple worlds? Hakadish Baruch has dominion. He has providence. He has sovereignty. He is the king and the monarch over all of the universe, all the worlds, all the galaxies. Maybe you followed the congressional hearing about UFOs and aliens. Hashem is in charge of them too. Do they exist? Do they not exist? Do we believe that? Is there room in Yiddishkeit to believe that? First of all, the answer is yes. Torah does talk about worlds and beings before man, maybe after man. It's possible potentially to believe. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. At least, not right now. They're not knocking on my door. I don't know. <laughs> so, is that what it means? Kol Olam, kulo. Why do we say kol twice? Because there are multiple worlds. What worlds is the Gera Rashi talking about? So Sholalta talking about Mars and Pluto and Earth and the aliens and the UFOs, maybe. But you know what he says? No. hu olam katan, because every human being is a world unto themselves. Each of us are our own universe. Each of us is our own galaxy. Each of us are an entire world. We're an entire world. But you know what happens this time of year? We tend to be willing to incarnate God as the King on all of the world, and all of the worlds outside of our world. God, you're the king at the UN right now, on the sidelines from the main podium. You're moving nations. You run the world. God, you decide if it will rain, what drought, what nature, what weather, what crops will grow. You run the world. God, the aliens, the UFOs, will man go to space? You run the world. But how I react when I'm stuck in traffic? My world? How I receive it if somebody's harmed me or hurt me or injured me? How I navigate? The frustrations, the disappointments, when I'm jealous or envious. My world? Yeah, not so much. You're not the king of that world. I'm the king of that world. Taking credit for success and achievement and breakthrough and prosperity? Yeah, no, God, stick with your worlds. That's my world. We tend to be willing to coronate God as the monarch and the king and the sovereign of all these other worlds around us, but when we think about our world, our perspective, our view, our vision, our interaction, our experience, our world, then we leave God out, right? When the rubber meets the road, when it's time to put it, what happens? Rosh Hashanah, we say, the chauffeur is the trumpet. I think we spoke about it last week. The coronation ceremony of Hashem, we're blowing the trumpets. And we're singing, You're the king, you're the king, you're the king. And then I said to over this week between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We're still growing envious and jealous and arrogant and anxious. And I thought God's the king. I thought God's the king. I thought he's in charge. I thought you're ready to surrender. I thought you're ready to submit. I thought you're never envious or jealous because we're happy with what we have. We're never anxious or worried because he's in charge. He's in control. We let go and let God. We're never arrogant because it's not about us. He's in charge. He's in control. So where's the manifestation or expression, where is the fulfillment of all the davening, all the chauffeur blowing, all the dipping the apples in the honey, all the holiday, that Hashem is the Melech, He's the King, and you lose it all, if in that moment that you fly off the handle, because your kid left a toy, your husband trafed up the pot, or didn't come home when he said he's going to come home, or you got stuck in the traffic, or you missed the appointment, or you... What happened to God's the King? Where to it go? Where to it go? So Shal Alter, it's a brilliant insight. Maloch yeah. olam kulo The multiple worlds. Don't just be the king and the dominion and the sovereign over the worlds out there. It's Hashem. This is my statement, my affirmation, my proclamation, you are the king of my world. Of everything that's gonna happen in my world, of my experiences, of my lot in life, of all that will happen, you're the king. You're by my side, you're holding me up, you're my support, you're my best friend, you're my confidant. I may protest, I may object, I may grow frustrated with you, which is also an expression of deep and profound emuna. We've shared many, many times. But I realize and I recognize it's all from you. It's how I interpret, it's how I experience everything that happens in my world. Because there isn't just the world, there's also my world. My world. I've shared with you before, but I'll repeat just by this. Based on this insight, the Mishnah and Perkei Avos. I learned this from a seventh-grade girl when I was in the Chinnah staff in Camp Maurashah in 1902. No, what year? 1999. Might as well have been 1902. 1999. So I posed the question. I learned Perkei Avos with those young ladies, and throughout Perkei Yavos, you know, Ashlosha Dvaram HaOlam omed on three things the world stands. Torah, Avoda, and Gamilas, Chassadam. Three things remove a person from the world. If you're filled with envy, and you're filled with uh, lust and arrogance, honor, then it removes you from the world. So we went through multiple interpretations about what does it mean, the world? What does that mean? What do you mean? Earth spins on its axis. The greatest physicists can't find the three legs of Torah Avodah, holding up the earth. It's spinning on its axis. So what do you mean the world stands on those three things? And what do you mean three things remove a person from the world? We know arrogant people, and we know envious people, and we know lustful people, and gravity still keeps them hem on earth. It's not mostly. They, they, they act in those ways. They don't like float off. The, wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be so cool, right? That'd be so cool. All of a sudden, somebody would follow their lust or be filled with arrogance or honor, or they would be envious. And all of a sudden, like they'd have to hold on. Gravity <laughs> wasn't working. They'd float off. And it's olam <laughs> they disappear from the world. They're gone. Sayonara. <laughs> to be ground. So what does that mean? But it doesn't work that way. So what does that mean? So I learned that summer with the many interpretations. Some say it means, I think Rabbeinu Yonah writes, it means it removes you from the world or it is the legs the world stands on. It means it means the purpose of the world. Why did God create the world? The foundation of the world, the purpose of the world, the engine of the world. Torah, avodah, gemilas Learning and living Torah, avodah, serving Hashem, and Chesed, noticing and caring about the people around you. That's the reason for the world. And if you don't live those three principles, you violated the very purpose of creation. There's no reason for you to be here. You're not really here in this world because you're not living the reason for this world. And if you follow your, your lust and the pursuit of honor and envy, Then again, it removes you from this world, you violated the purpose of this world, that's how the Rabbinion understood. But a seventh grade girl said to me, you know, maybe it means every person is a world unto themselves. Every person is their own world. Every person comes from their own background, their own family, their own personality, their own struggles, their own assets, their own strengths, their own blessings, but also their own challenges. Everybody's made up of their own psyche, their own chemical makeup, their own physical features, Everybody has strengths, everybody has weaknesses, every human being, no two people are duplicated. Everybody's different. Everybody's different and everyone is a world unto themselves. And maybe, said the seventh grade girl, (coughs) who I regret, I don't remember her name. She deserves to be quoted. She said, maybe when the Mishnah throughout Perkei refers to the world, it's talking about each person. And it means that you want a meaningful purpose for life, the world rests on Torah Avodah Gemilos Chasadim." If you want a day in which you had an equilibrium and a balance in which you were healthy, mentally, spiritually, physically, then that day has to be made up of three ingredients, Torah, Avodah, and Gemilas Chassadim. Any day that has no Torah, you didn't learn, you didn't engage, you didn't have pride in the values of Torah, then your day was incomplete. You're out of kilter, you're off balance. Any day there wasn't Avodah, you weren't talking to God, you weren't in a conversation with Hashem, you weren't Avodah, you weren't in service of God, it's incomplete, your world is out of kilter. And any day that doesn't have chesed, you didn't do something kind, something nice, something caring about someone else, your day, your world is incomplete. The world rests on three things that means your world. No matter what else is going on in your world, no matter how many meals you got to cook up for yontif, no matter how much laundry you have to get done, no matter how much work there is to do, no matter how much there is on your list, it must include those three ingredients because any day that didn't include Torah Avodah Gamilas Chasadim, your world didn't spin, it was off kilter. Beautiful insight, right? Similarly, she said that in order to have health, you can't have Kenatayva and What does it mean? It means God created you. You're a world unto yourself. You're filled with potential and capability, and you're filled with power. You're a chilaka le You're a piece of the Almighty. You're a shining, bright light in this world. You're here for a reason. There's work to do. And if instead you're so confused and you're comparing and you're competing with someone else, you're envious, you're jealous that just removed you from your world. Stick with your world. You have your world. Who am I? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are my assets? What are my liabilities? Why am I here? What am I meant to do? And you're so busy looking in your neighbor's driveway, and you're so busy looking through your neighbor's window, and you're so busy looking at what your neighbor's wearing, and you're so busy looking at your neighbor's spouse and children, you, you absolutely forfeited your world. You abandoned your world. You left your world. Get back in your world. Get back in your world. That's where we belong. It removes you from the world. Envy. And similarly, kavod, honor. You're so busy worrying about being an influencer. You're so busy worrying about how many friends and followers. You're so busy wanting to go viral. You're so busy wanting to have honor and be given the credit for whatever the work was. It removes you from your world. Just stay in your world. Do what you're meant to do. And taiva, lust. You, You leave your world of what's healthy for you and you follow. You indulge your lust. You act compulsively. It removes you from your world. I'm sharing all of this just to tell you this pshat that this young girl said that the world Ola means each of us are our own world. That's what the Ramchal begins, Mesil Sesharim. Ma Adam be Ola Mo. the Ramchal begins. When Moshe Chaim several hundred years ago says, you want to live a meaningful, purposeful life? You want to live a happy and a healthy life? It's not about how much money you have in the bank. Granted, it's good to have money in the bank. It helps you remove some worries. It helps you pay the bills. Uh, There's nothing wrong with having money in the bank. There's nothing wrong with working hard and having a lot of money in the bank. But if you think that money is the secret to happiness, you know nothing, including no very few very rich people because there's no correlation. If it were so simple, everyone rich you knew would be incredibly happy. Everyone poor you knew would be incredibly unhappy. And, paradoxically, it's often the opposite, that the wealthiest people you know seem to be the most unhappy, most hollow, the most empty inside. And you can find people who have nothing, and they, they feel like they have everything. They're so happy and fulfilled. It's not so simple. It's not so simple. So, Ramachal says, you want a meaningful life, a purposeful life, a happy life, a balanced, stable life? Then the answer is, ask yourself, Ma Adam ha'adam ba'olamah? We're not going to prolong this, because I've spoken about this so many times, because this inspires in touches me deeply every single day. The Ramchal says, don't ask, what are my rights? What are my entitlements? What do I get? Ask, Mahovah, what's my duty? What's my obligation? What's my responsibility? What can I give? What can I do? Who can I be? How can I redeem and repair and change the world? You want a meaningful life? Don't ask, what can the world give me? Ask, what can I give the world? What can I do? What can I do? This is not just our Torah, and it's not just altruistic, like we're striving to be heroes who want to give instead of receive it's actually, now research has caught up to what the Torah always knew, this is the basis of mental health. Don't believe me, look online later, you can Google it, and you will find that among the most successful treatments for depression is volunteering. In addition to sometimes needing medication and needing therapy is volunteering. You'd say, volunteer? I don't want to volunteer, I want to go to Lord & Taylor. I want to go to Nordstrom's. I want to go shop away my problems. I feel depressed, I want to go on, on the Amazon. I want to go on a visit to the Amazon and I want to buy up the Amazon. That's how I'm going to get rid of my depression. I'm going to buy my way out of the depression and the packages and the packages and the packages are going to come and then I'll be happy. And maybe you will for a moment when you open the package, but you know what comes after the package? It doesn't come to the front door, it comes in the mailbox. It's called a bill. And when the bill comes for the packages, then at least maybe your father, it makes him unhappy in some cases. I think we have a dedicated Amazon delivery person for our house, No? It's possible. A dedicated Amazon delivery person just for the Goldberg home, it's possible, it's possible. Sometimes you can't get to the front door, you have to start moving, you you need to bring in like- I'm just telling you that in my world, in my world, I sometimes need to bring heavy equipment to move the packages just to access the front door. Not you, it's not you, it's our children. But anyway, I'm exaggerating a little bit, a little, a little bit, rabbinic license, rabbinic license. So it's not the more packages you get, the happier you get. Google this and you'll see that a person is feeling depressed. Go volunteer, go volunteer. There's nothing that feels better in the world. I, I wish I-, I could send you the pictures. Maybe I'll post them in the group and the people who are not here really won't know what went on today. But I have pictures, on air of Rosh Hashanah, this army of kids came, how, you showed up. We seated 1,800 1, people on this campus on Rosh Hashanah. And if you included BRS West and Rabbi Brody's 400 people for outreach, almost 2,500 people, BRS. You showed up and there was a chart and you had a seat and your name was typed on a sticker on it. And there was pages and there were machzorim that were put out and there was a million things that the parochus was white and all that stuff. How, how did you think all that happened? Poof, you showed up and that's your job. There's no criticism, right? We have the luxury of just showing up. There was an army of kids who came, who spent their era of Rosh Hashanah, in some cases with their father so beautifully, labeling chairs and, and straightening and steaming the, the parochas and putting out the machzorim and ensuring the pay. It's beautiful. I took pictures. It's beautiful. And you know what they got for it? Pizza. They got pizza. But okay, that was all. they didn't they didn't there was no paycheck. There was no like where how much are we paid? How much per hour? You know, I'll take it in Bitcoin. There was no negotiation. There was no negotiation of how much they got paid. I promise you, those kids went into Rosh Hashanah. they were on fire. It felt so good. Others were playing, you know, the game box or whatever that thing's called. Others were playing video games. Others were having triple, caramel, latte, star, whatever. Others were sleeping in. And they were here, the army for Jeffrey, turning over this campus. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable for those kids. They they won out on their, because when you give, when you do. So the Ramchal says, you want to live a meaningful life. We only did one line so far in the Rosh Hashiva. We got to get back to this. But (laughs) you want to live a meaningful life, a purposeful life? Ma'chovah Sa'adam. Ask yourself, not what can I get from this world, but why am I here? It's a new year. It's a brand new year. So, my dear friends, what are you going to give the world this year? How will the world be better because you're in it this year? Your friends, your family, your community, your profession, your hobby. I'm not telling you in what way. I'm not saying sit and say Telem all day long. That's how you have to make the. World. That's nothing wrong with that. But I'm not. I'm not asking you to leave your comfort zone or do something you don't like doing. Hey, take one for the team. That's. I'm saying, just ask yourself, what's my mission? Why am I here? What difference am I meant to make? How will this be my year that when I come next year, this time I will look back and say, this year I made a difference. I got out of my own comfort zone, I got out of my own skin, and I made a difference to other people. There was a committee, there was a project, there was an effort, there, was, there were people I checked in on, I hosted, I took care of, there was a problem, I became the solution, there was someone I showed up for, I was fully more present in the lives of those who need me. The answer will be different for everyone. That's the hard work. Given the schmooze is the easy part. Looking in the mirror and deciding, Given who I am and my world, because everyone's their own world. So that's how the Ramchal ends that sentence, that charge, that opening to Mesilis HaSharam. Machov adam What's the next word? Be'olamo. Translate the word Be'olamo. So some translations have the mistranslation, they say. They translate the Ramchal challenges us what's our obligation, our duty, our responsibility in the world. But that's not what the Ramchal writes. He doesn't say in the world. What does he say in? But Mo in his or her world. Why would the Ramchal write that? Do we live on different planets? Do we, do we, do we have residences on different planets? Yeah. Why would he say everyone in their own world? The answer is, because everyone is their own world. Now, you can't live in your own world in a way that you're oblivious to other people. Our worlds intersect, and our worlds overlap, and sometimes our worlds collide. Our worlds have to be interconnected. You can't live in your own world. Oh, they're in their own world. How come they didn't show up? How come they don't care? How co- Nah, they're in their own world. That's a bad being in your own world. We don't mean that, being in your own world so you're oblivious of everyone and everything around you. That we do not mean. We mean you're in your own world because don't compete, don't compare, don't measure yourself. Each of us is our own world. We come from our own place, we have our own background. We have our own socioeconomic status. We have our own gifts and talents. We have our own weaknesses and challenges. We are each our own world. And that's what Rav Shal Alter is answering here. You know why it says it twice? Why does it say it twice? Why is it repetitive and redundant? Says the Geri Rosh You know why? Because it's easy to coronate God, the King of all the worlds out there. It's also easy to coronate God as the king of other people's world. Oh no, 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 they're suffering because God feels they need to this. Oh no, no, they have that because you think that's their achievement? They're so smart, they're lucky. God let them hit the lottery. Believe me, they're not so smart, they don't deserve it, they didn't achieve it. It's, it's so easy to coronate God the king of everyone else's world by Yenim. It's easy to make God the king of other people. How about our world, our world, our life, our lifestyle, our daily lives? A olam kulo, to make God the king of all of us. Because every person is a miniature world. He coronates God the king of all the universes and all the galaxies and all the worlds and all the planets. But Shu ben But he says everyone else has a king. What does it mean to have a king? What does a king have? Subjects. If a king doesn't have subjects, I have bad news for that king. Mm-hmm. They're not a king, right? If I put on a crown and sit in my room and declare myself king, but I can't even control who's ordering from me. I'm just joking. I'm <laughs> if I sit and put a crown on my head and declare myself king, but nobody is willing to be my subject, you're not a king. And a king what makes a king? Having subjects. So we want to coronate God the king of other subjects. You should be a subject, you're a subject, you should be a subject of the king, you're a subject of the king. Me? I'm a Benchorin. I'm free. Nobody rules over me. But the real mission of Rosh Hashanah, and whenever you're listening to this, because one thing we've learned from these emails, Spotify chooses when you listen to what, not me or you. That's one thing we've learned from these emails. So I don't know, someone's going to be listening to this on Hanukkah and turn it off because they say, what does this have to do with me? This is true for the whole year round, that we dedicate shesah ramach, all of our organs and all of our limbs, we surrender as subjects of Hashem. Hashem, I take my initiative, I take pride in my achievements, but in the end of the day, it's all you. Everything's you. So I don't panic and I don't get anxious and I don't get too worried and I don't take too much pride and I don't swell with arrogance and I'm not envious and I'm not jealous because Hashem, it's all you, you're the king. Declaring him the king, people mistakenly think that, you know, Amuna, I don't want to give up my autonomy. I don't want to give up my, my success, my pride. I don't want to give up. I don't want to declare him the king, it's my life. They don't realize that declaring him king is the best thing in the world you could do for your life. You want peace, you want serenity, you want happiness, you want joy, declare him the king. The moment we don't just declare him the king, But the moment that we live as his subjects is the day your life gets so much better. The day that you can get stuck in traffic and think you're going to miss such a critical appointment. And yeah, it's the king's plan. It's no problem. He's in charge. The Gemara says, The Gemara says, Why in Rosh Hashanah the Amidah is made up of three major sections. First, we incarnate God, King Malchus, and then Zechronos, God remembers everything. Then Shofros, the Shofar. Why do we start with with Malchus? We start with, first, we accept Him as King. We can't understand anything in the world. We can't position ourselves properly vis-à-vis Him in the world. If we don't start with, He's the King. It's an entirely new understanding of this sentence. And from now on, whether you're singing it with Rav Shlomo, or you're saying it in the davening, or you're listening to the song any time of the year, now you know. Hashem, I'm ready to call you the king, not just of everyone else's world, and not just on all the galaxies and UFOs and, and ET and extraterrestrials. I'm ready to make you the king over my whole world. Not part of my world, because it doesn't work to be the king over part of the world. You're not a king. If the person is not entirely your subject, you're not a king. If they say, I'll be your subject regarding this, but I'm maintaining my independence regarding that. So they're not a subject and you're not a king. To be the king and you a subject, you have to subject yourself, surrender yourself entirely. So, means Hashem. I am ready to make you the king over every part of my life. Over everything. Over everything. You're responsible for the success I have and you have a reason, there is a purpose for the challenges I struggle. It's all from you. Everything that's happening. Everything that's happening. The other way of understanding this, why do we repeat it? Kulo. Why do we say it twice? The other way to understand it is because there are two levels of emuna and bitachon. Or put it differently, there's emuna and there's bitachon. There's I know there's a God, conceptually, in theory, academically. I know there's a God. There's a first source. There's a creator. There's a God. I believe. I believe. Belief in God is at an all-time low in America. But even that poll that asked the average American, "Do you believe in God?" All they meant was, do you think there's a higher power somewhere, something something bigger than us? Yes. Does that impact your life? Does that translate into your life? Do you have a relationship? Do you talk to Him? Do you surrender to Him? I don't know what you're even talking about. You just asked me, is there a God? And yes, yeah, somewhere in a book, somewhere there's some proof, some evidence. There's some higher power, there's something, yes. That's emuna. Emuna is like Amen. We spoke about in the Parsha Shri yesterday from the Parsha. Amen. Amen, amuna means, yes, I affirm, ditto, I believe. Yes, I acknowledge there is a first cause, a higher power. There's a God. But who says that God has anything to do with me? Did this building we're sitting in have an architect? The building tomorrow night that, please God, please everyone come if you're in favor and excited about our campus expansion. If you're not, feel free to find another activity. No, come and ask all of your, all of your legitimate questions that you have. We welcome all of the legitimate and constructive questions that people have. But we're expanding our campus, very, very excited about it. It's going to be a game changer. More people will learn and live, Amuna, please God, on our, on our state-of-the-art amazing campus. So the people that will live in 50 and 100 because we're building it for future generations, not for today. So they will not have met the building committee and the building chair. They will not have met the donors, maybe. They will not have met the architect and the builder, the contractor. Will they know that all those people existed? Yes, because if you're in a building, Disorder came to order. Materials took on the form of a building. There must have been an architect. There was a designer. There was a builder, right? So it's pretty foolish to look around this world. If I told you this book that you're reading, the ink on the page, nobody wrote this book. There is no Gerrit Rosh or of Sheol altar. I made it up. It's a figment of my imagination. You know where this page came from? <laughs> you won't believe it. I knocked over a bottle of ink, and there was a blank page, and poof. Why would you? that's absurd. And why would we, categorically, automatically reject that possibility. Every one of us, there's not a human being alive who would even entertain the possibility that I knocked over a bottle of ink, and that's how these words came on the page. Why? Because the likelihood of that is not small, it's impossible. It didn't happen. When order comes to disorder, when, when ink takes the form of words and sentences and ideas, there was someone behind it. So if that's true for ink on the page, it's not true for the human body, it's not true for the world we live in. There's a creator. There's a creator. But until now, you don't know the Gary Rosh Hashiva. You just have his words on a page. Just because you can acknowledge that there's an author, that there's an architect, that there's a sculptor, that there's an artist, just because you acknowledge they exist doesn't mean that you know them, that they know you, that you have a relationship, that they're invested in your life. So that's not emuna. that's the next level, which is B'itachon. B'itachon is not just I believe he exists, but I also know that He knows everything happening in my life. I have a relationship. We talk to each other. We listen to each other. We care about each other's needs. There's a relationship. That's the next level. And that's what the Gera Rosh Hashiva says next. Maybe, Kulo means, why is it repetitive, redundant? Because there are one stages, you're God, you're the king, I surrender to you, that you exist. at a distance from the heavens. You're operating in the world from all the way up there. You're far away. You don't write like the initial thought the author of this email wrote in her initial thought, right? Hashem is busy right now. It's his busy season. He's got to open the books and write people in it and sign them and seal them. He's so distant. This is actually her language. I didn't even do that on purpose that the email fits exactly with what we're learning today. In all seriousness, she writes, I thought to myself, Hashem is so distant. That's what we think. Merachok. That's look at the Gerashiva's language. We think, I'm willing to make the Melech Merachok but he's not really providential he's not really in charge or controlling all the details so the reason we say it twice Olam Kulo is don't just be the king from out there, from up there, from a distance, so busy you don't have time for me. You're the king, but you're the king I have a relationship with. You're the king who knows me and loves me and is involved and invested in me. You're the king who has an intimate connection to me. That's what we're declaring. That's what we're believing. That's what we're leaning into. And most of all, that is what we are. That's what we are living. So that's our mission. That's our goal. That's our mandate. Are we on next week? between Yom Kippur and Sukkot next Wednesday morning. Show of hands, anyone here? Anyone coming if we meet next week? Mm, darn it. Okay, so we are meeting next Just joking. We are meeting next week, regular time. Until then, your homework is don't just declare him the king for others. Don't just declare him the king of the galaxies. Declare him our king of our world. Recognize we're each our own world, that in our own world, what, what, that's, part of, that's our thought. That's what we're supposed to be thinking about. Mindful of, contemplative about, is why am I here? God, what are we asking God? Please renew my contract for another year. We're getting the answer back Monday night. The gates are going to close. The books are going to be signed. And we're going to get the answer. I don't know if we get the answer. The answer will be determined. And what's the argument? What's the question? Hashem, renew my contract. Renew my contract for another year. So He's going to ask... Why? Why should I renew your contract? What do you bring to to my world? How do you bring your world to my world? What do you offer? What do you do? How do you transform? How do you repair? How do you redeem? How do you, why? That's what we're supposed to be thinking about. All of our work in anticipation of Yom Kippur is formulating our argument. This is why. Renew my contract and provide me the resources I need because here's what you're going to see. You're not going to believe it. Here's what's coming. It's going to be unbelievable. If you renew my contract and give me the resources to be able to do it, Hashem, wait till you see what comes next for me. You're not gonna believe what I have in store. It can't be, I don't know, I never thought about it. You know what I'm gonna do for you? I'm gonna watch as many Netflix series as I can in the shortest amount of time possible. That's my mission for this year. It can't be, who would renew such a contract? Enjoy life appropriately, but who's gonna renew such a contract? If you say, Hashem, I have an idea It's a problem I want to solve. There's a campaign, there's a project, there's a committee, there are people who need me. I'm going to take on certain practices in my life I'm going to transform. Wait till you see what comes next. Renew my contract. I promise you, Hashem, it'll be worth it. I'm going to give you the biggest return on your investment. Invest in me again. Invest in me another year. I'm going to give you your biggest ROI yet. Just invest in me another year. Most people don't think that way. They don't come to Yom Kippur that way. They just come to Yom Kippur, they haven't thought about anything. They're just grepsing and burping from stuffing their face before Kol Nidre. That's the big prep before Yom Kippur. But the real preparation before Yom Kippur is to ask ourselves, what, okay, I got 25 arg- hours to make this argument. I got 25 hours I'm appearing before the bench, before the judge. What's my argument? Renew my contract, give me the resources, because here's what I'm going to do. Fill in the blank. How do you answer that question? What, what's he going to see? What's the fulfillment? What's that promise? That's your homework. Next week... We'll have our answer It'll be between Yom Kippur and Hashem, Our contracts will be renewed. We're going to sit in the sukkah, friends and family, and we sing and we eat and we drink lachaim and we enjoy because we got our new contract for a new year. And we're going to get paid well with great resources to be able to empower us to do what we... And then Sukkos ends and it's time to get to work to make good on that promise and the pledge of who we are, why we're here and what we're going to do. So all of us should be signed and sealed, all of us should have our contract renewed, all of us should be given an abundance of resources to fulfill the mission that is our world, and to be able to say with a full- heart malolocha kolo kulo bichvodecha. until next time, stay happy, stay healthy and stay holy.